Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Watershed Sermon Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community within Harderwijk Ministries. We gather at 9.45 a.m. in the Anchor Building on the Harderwijk campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Watershed community and Harderwijk Ministries, please visit harderwijk.com. So we have been on a journey, you already kind of mentioned today, we're coming to the end of this part of our Believe series. This is a whole year where, kind of school year, where we're talking about how do we become more like Christ, right? And and that takes, it's a process of our head, it's a a process of our hands, uh, of practices in our life. The next series we're going to dive into after Christmas is going to be spiritual practices that help form us that we see in the scripture. And it's going to be the virtues, the characteristics, um, really the person of Jesus that we want to grow in us. But this first part of the series has been on using our heads, Right? I, I think so often in our world, uh, we have, and especially in our culture, uh, we have been led by our hearts, and there's nothing wrong with our feelings, our feelings and emotions, and this has been true for, for ages that we're aware. Our feelings and emotions are God-given things gifted to us. However, they are indicators for us. There's been study after study, there's been generation after generation that has proven that our emotions, while God-given, are indicators for us. That's what they are to us. They're pointers of something deeper in our lives, of what's going on. There's bad things happening, so we get angry, we get frustrated, we, 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 we lose our sense of direction, we, we, we sit and wonder, we, we sometimes feel lost or alone. Maybe we're excited, right? Something goes well and we, we laugh. We, uh, to the, this week I got to hang out at South Olive with past, Pastor Becky and, and some of our kids from our church, you know, and we got to sit at the table and I got to, like, talk like Mickey, ha ha. Now they dared me to do that, so I'm just fulfilling. They're not here, but you can all tell them. Pastor Aaron talked like Mickey. So, but like there's joy, right? Things seem right. And, and so our emotions are indicators something's right. And yet, that's not all there is. God has given us a brain to think. And I'll say this I, I, the more I look at our culture, the less I see people think. We stop at the indicators, which are only surface level, and and we don't go deeper and we don't think through them because I don't know about you, sometimes my emotions deceive me. Sometimes I make judgments long before I have all of the information. I know I'm not alone this morning. Anyone? And God has given us a brain that actually reflects the image that he created in us to use and to process and and to comprehend. And that's part of why he's given us the scripture so we can actually engage this thing, not just this thing, and to combine these things together. And and so to to start to go, okay, how do I think through some of the things that happen in our lives? And so this whole series over these 10 weeks has been trying to give us and help us understand there are some core things that we think as Christians. They're not the only only things. I mean, we only pick 10. Uh, there are, there's this great curriculum that exists out there, the Gospel Project. They have 99 core. So just be thankful we didn't enter on that journey, okay? I gave you 10. <laughs> but these things are to help us go, man, are we, are we putting our heads in the right place in the midst of our emotions? And especially this morning, 
This morning, we, we, we ask this question. We've been asking the question, what's next? When we ask and wrestle with the question, what's, what is life beyond this life? Is there life beyond this life? Is there more to this life? Were we created for something bigger than just a, a mere hand's breath? Now, that's a biblical term. Like, like it, just a blip? Eight years? Eighty years? Is, is that it? Is there something more than the pain, the hurts, the challenges? What's next? This morning we're talking about eternity. We're talking about the Christian truth that we were created for more than just this life. And God has saved us to bring us into that eternity where he is making all things new. And he saved us from something as well. And that's an eternity apart from him. The Christian truth that we're talking about today is this. I believe that there is a heaven and a hell. We believe this as Christians. That there is a space in eternity with God. And there is a space in eternity without him. Where God will actually come. Jesus will return. And he will judge all people. And he will establish his eternal kingdom. That God, going back to when sin became part of the story in Genesis 3, he said, my son, a son of man is going to come and he's going to crush the serpent's head. That which got messed up in my creation will not be messed up anymore. I'm going to judge that which is wrong. And I'm going to make all things right. This is the truth for us. And I don't know about you, this truth is incredibly important. Especially as we come into an Advent season. Next Sunday, we're going to kick off Advent a week early, just in how Christmas starts. So guess what? You get a little extra Advent time. But the whole season of Advent not only celebrates that Christ has come, but it anticipates and looks forward to Christ coming again. Everything we're talking about today is what Advent is all about. We're celebrating that God is going to come and make all things new. And that his eternal kingdom is opened up to each and every one of us. We've talked about this through the series. That God so loved the world that he sent his son to, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Our key verse in John 14, John, he really, Jesus says much of the same thing. In John 14, Jesus is getting ready to die. He's ready, getting ready to be the sacrifice for sin. He's getting ready to stand in our place. The judgment we deserve to take upon himself. Why? So he could open a door for us. Our key verses, and then I'm going to continue to read on, but our key verses come from John 14, 1 and 2. Hear God's word this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Let me pause. Do not let your hearts be troubled. When we talk about eternity, eternity is a message of hope. It's a message that's meant to bring peace. Now, it may rattle us a little bit along the way, <laughs> It may challenge us, and yet the end of God's eternity message is good news. Just don't be troubled. It should help us rest in peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It says, you believe in God, so believe also in me. 
right? The Christian truth, we've talked about this, is a belief in Jesus Christ. So my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I've told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Like, you've known me by now. Am I going to pull the wool over your eyes? No. God's house is full of rooms. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. This is the good news of God. He wants his creation to be restored, to be with him. He says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And I love Thomas, right? Thomas, the one who would doubt Jesus is right. I would let us see the holes in his hands and his feet, man. Let me see the side. And Jesus is like, okay, fine. Here you go. Put your hand in. Ooh, creepy. <laughs> but Thomas, like, right, the church is made up of all kinds of different people. Thomas represents some of us. Some of us need it, and some of us are just going to be bold and say, yo, dude, I don't know where you're going. Thank you, Thomas, for, for filling some of us who are going to push a little bit. Fill us in. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes into this eternal kingdom. No one comes restored and reconciled to God except through me. Now, we could talk about all the different kind of Christian nuances and textures and theology to that because um, there is a lot but this morning our focus is taking Jesus at his word that no matter what our way into eternity in a right relationship with God into a renewed and restored kingdom where in Revelation 21 Jesus said I am making everything new trust these words write them down because they are trustworthy. They are true. Our way is in Christ. That's why we exist as a church. Last week we talked about we're stewards of the gospel message. If it's not about Jesus, then why the heck are we here? We are wasting our time. Go do something else. If you're not interested in Jesus, listen, I want you here. <laughs> but like the reality is... Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to, every week, we're going to keep coming back to the gospel of Jesus. Uh, the Bible is about Jesus. There you go. <laughs> if you want to know what to expect or about watershed, it's about Jesus. Hey, he's the hero of heaven. We didn't sing that one this morning. Sorry, you know, like, but <laughs> he's the one who has given my, his, his life for ours. He's the one who has made the way possible for us. He is the full and perfect representative of the love of God and what that really looks like in our lives. We talked about compassion a few weeks ago. He exudes what compassion is. He is everything I cannot be and more. And he has given me everything I have needed and more. I live and breathe because of him. That's the gift. We don't ever have to worry when we're in him. And Jesus, even though today, opens up our eyes a little more. He helps us see eternity. And he gives us this parable in Luke 16. Before we dive in, I want to remind you, back in 2022, we went through a series called The Scandal of Grace. And we looked at parables. And, and I just want to give you a, a definition that we used then. And uh, I think it's, it's, I know it's helpful for me of what is a parable. It's an inviting and puzzling, if not scandalous, short story meant to explain what Jesus was doing 
in bringing about and revealing the kingdom of God. That a parable is not just some cute short story that everybody, no, Jesus would wreck people's brains when he told the story. (laughs) He would mess with their heads and he would flip stories that they knew upside down all so that they, what? And also they, they could see, wait a second, Jesus is doing things differently. That his agenda with the kingdom is not to just continue what we've been doing, but to restore God's world, to renew God's world. That God's kingdom is the great reversal of all that is broken and wrong in this world and even within us. So Jesus tells a parable in Luke 16, starting in verse 19. He's talking to Pharisees who loved their money. Just a couple verses earlier, uh, he had told one parable about stewardship. So last week we talked about stewardship. said stewardship is lordship. God owns everything, right? We're managers of it. That's that's what we do, right? It's our God-given gift to be representatives of God in this world, to take the stuff he's given it, to use it for his glory, his life in the world. And so he's talking to the religious leaders who loved money. So basically, it's going, their prerogative was the wrong place. Their priority was looking to the wrong one. The religious, those who were to be leading the people, were not for God's purposes. They were for their own. And Jesus, in his grace, wants to get their attention. See, we forget sometimes that God's grace is the fact that he's going to wrestle with some things with us. He wants to get our attention. If we're going down the wrong pathway, he's trying to get us on the right one because he's trying to bring us life. So he tells them this parable. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in, a lug- in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now the time came when the beggar died. The angels carried him to Abraham's side. Right, for those of us who don't know, Jew, in Jewish tradition, Abraham is the father of Israel. Okay, so Abraham, he's one of the key characters. He's going to be there in God's kingdom. So they carried him to Abraham's side. Now the rich man, he also died and was buried in Hades. In Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here And you're in agony. And besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Then he answered, Well, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, Listen, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. They've had others who have been messengers of this truth. Listen to them. You haven't listened? Let them listen. No, Father Abraham, he said. 
But if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. Now, it's ironic that Jesus is telling this story right before he dies, FYI. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The message has been there. Now, in this, I think one of the things that I pick up on is when I look at the kingdom, when I look at the reality of, of this parable is the world isn't fair, is it? And FYI, it's never going to be this side of Christ's return. As long as sin exists, there will always be inequity, there will always be inequality, there will always be injustice. It is a reality. Now this reality can leave us and keep us from doing anything good and just go, well, that's just the way it is. Some things will never change. You know, I'll sing, sing my Bruce Hornsby song. Anyone pick up on that one? Or it can lead us to, to again, go back to the last couple of weeks and see that, wait a second, if we're representatives of God, we're called to compassion. Wait, if we're representative stewards of God, we're, we're called to take what he's given and, and actually start to make the world and, and join in his work of making the world look a little bit more like what one day we believe will be. Where there will be equality, there will be equity, there will be justice. That which will be right will be right. But listen, the truth is, and part of what Jesus is telling us is, the world's not fair. That is part of our condition. That is part of our situation. If we think that is the end that we'll get to, we're not going to get there. But I do believe the end we're called to is compassion. More than it is equality, more than it is anything else, it's to be stewards of what God has entrusted to us to show compassion. Because if there's something we see in this parable is a lack of it. Amen? Now, the rich man, as Jesus is talking to the religious, if he was a rich man who really was a son of Abraham, by the law, he would have been called to show compassion to Lazarus. Did he? No, he stepped over him, walked by him. I wonder if the five brothers and relatives would ever see Lazarus. Right? He was begging for something from his table. Nothing. What he got was dogs licking his sores. Inequity? Yeah. Somebody not being a steward? Yeah. The world isn't fair. Sometimes people get what we might say they don't deserve. And that can be to the benefit, and it could be to the negative. So what's next, right? There's our question. What's next? Is there something else. Well, one of the other truths I see is death is not the end. For believers, we don't think, we don't don't believe that you're just going to be reincarnated and you're going to come back based on whatever your life was in previous life and, and, and then you'll be something, maybe you'll be a butterfly. Instead of a person, like, no, because that, that challenges the image of God. That was, we weren't animals. <laughs> we were created with intention. Right, but the reality is, death comes, for, death comes for the rich man, death comes from Lazarus, death comes from us all. If we know one thing, there's death and taxes, right? That's the truth. <laughs> now, a couple people didn't die, and their stories are crazy. I'll let you read those on your own time. Elijah, Enoch. Oh, but even Jesus died, but was resurrected. So, nonetheless, I go off on a little tangent here. 
the reality is death is not the end. In Christ's resurrection, we have life. It isn't the end of our story. So often we get caught in the reality that it's an end. And while it is an end, yet we are people who know and believe we were creating, created for eternity. There's something more. And in this parable, it's different. It's a different kingdom. You see, the story that would have been known in the day would have been this. The rich man, he got what he got because he's good. Right, that's how we roll. Good people get good things. And if you got good things, you've been good people. And Lazarus, yeah, shows you. You must have been. You must have done. Bad things happen to bad people. Again, by the way, that's karma. That isn't Christianity. But that has been a story told over thousands of years. Good things happen to good thing, people. Bad things happen to bad people. But what does Jesus do? To these religious leaders... Right, to these, these folks who had money and, and were, were worried about control and weren't representing God well. Uh, and and he, he says this, he goes, you know what? The people who didn't, who everything went the wrong way for, God's going to shower them with grace. Lazarus, who had dogs licking his wounds, will be able to eat at the table of the king of the universe. When Jesus says, come who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Lazarus is never going to have to think twice about the pain he endured and the people who didn't value him. Interesting thing in this parable is, does the rich man have a name? No. But Lazarus does. To the one who thinks he has it all in the world... Maybe he earned, thought he earned it. Maybe he thought he deserved it. But that place, he's just a rich man. To the one who was stepped over, spit on, ceased to exist, to God he had a name. And he had a place. See, the interesting thing, too, I, I think in the middle of this is if we follow through the story the rich man is still trying to make Lazarus his lackey. Pay attention. Father Abraham, let me talk to Abraham. I'm not going to talk to Lazarus. I'm not going to try to attempt to talk to Lazarus. But Abraham, send Lazarus to dip his hand in the water and come. Cool my pain. What's Abraham do? Go, nah, dude. That's not his job. And it was never his to serve to be your lackey. Father Abraham, it, 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 he even gets indignant at the end. No! <laughs> like, all of a sudden, he can tell Abraham what to do. No! You, you bring him back from the dead and send him to my family and make sure they know. <laughs> Abraham's like, that's not how it goes. For whatever purpose, there was judgment. And judgment, for one, was hopeful. Judgment for one, for Lazarus, was going, man, I know that life wasn't fair. And neither is death. Because this isn't part of the story. But my kingdom is one where I renew and I make all things new. 
My kingdom is one who goes, hey, listen, it's not about what you produced in life and how good you think you are. It's not about your self-righteousness. It's not about your self-worth as in the amount of dollars you have. It's not about your dimes and degrees. It's not about what the world values because my kingdom is about always people, my creation. He's shown compassion. He's steward in reflecting the Lord who is our Savior. And those who think they have it all, who continue to go their own way, this is a warning. Right? Jesus is talking to these religious leaders to warn them away from that. Stop living life for yourself. Come to me. For those who have had to endure sin, there's freedom in Christ. Right? I believe that there's a heaven and hell. Right? That's, that's part of the biblical doctrine. I would love to get rid of hell out of the scriptures. Trust me. And maybe, just maybe, by God's grace that is far bigger than me, God will sometime, some, some Christian theologians say that God's going to empty hell. That once everybody comes to realize how messed up things were, that when evil really sees itself, that maybe the rich man sees the chasm. However, I, I, I still can't get there. Because God takes this judgment seriously. He goes, listen, sin does not, never has belonged in my kingdom. It wasn't what I created when I created the world good and right and pure. And his judgment is saying, no more. No more. And yet, if you've had to endure sin, if you've had to endure brokenness, if you've had to endure death, if you've had to endure inequality and injustice, if you've had to endure what brokenness and, and how that affects your life, and it goes, man, it's just not the way it's supposed to be. The good news continues to be that Jesus will come and judge not only the sin in our lives, but sin in all. He will bind Satan. He will bind all of the demons, the angels that are part of his little, like his little minions. I just watched the rise of Gru with Bella, right? Like all his little minions. <laughs> there will be a chasm, Re Revelation 21 and 22, there will be a gate. He says outside. People will come to know, that he, John says it's the dogs outside of the city. There will be judgment that we will become something less. If that's how we wanted to live our life, we're, we're something less than the image of God. That's what we'll be. We don't see who we are in Christ. And God says, that's on you. But I've given you Moses, I've given you the prophets, I've given you the scriptures from the, from the old to the new. Jesus, he goes, man, yeah, even if the dead, by the way, I'm about to, ready to die in just about a day or so here. <clears throat> I'm going to die on the cross, and then in three days, I'm going to come back to life. He's like, even when I come back, you're not going to listen. And what's scripture do? Most often it testifies that there's the religious, those who think they had it, those who who go, I, I can play the game in a different way. <laughs> he goes, no, no, no. It's not how it works in my kingdom. I'm going to flip it upside down. Right, but our hope always goes back to Jesus. That was what he was trying to get them to do. Come to me. 
I know you're not living it right now, but come to me. Let me bring us back to John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. Like This is not a message of exclusion. It's a message that says you're included, but all you got to do is come to me. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to the place to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, his promise is I'm going to come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Folks, this is what we're going to have to wrestle with in light of a new kingdom. We're going to have to wrestle with a God who goes, you know what, I'm going to crush the serpent's head. With a God who promises in Isaiah 65, I'm going to make all things new. I'm going to let the wolf dwell with the lamb. Everybody's going to have a tree to sit under when you work. Guess what? It's going to have benefit and, and, and blessing. It's never going to be work for simply work's sake and it's miserable. You know, we created to actually work and it was not a bad thing. <laughs> now sin kind of screws that up. <laughs> Goes on to say, yeah, n- no longer will a child live, but, but days and Someone else just live out what we think a full, like this is eternity. No longer are you going to be struggling with that sin that you're like, man, why can't I just get past this? Jesus, I believe, and yet some reason I keep falling. And God's like, yep, but my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Keep trusting, keep coming back, because I'm the way. Right, it's Jesus who goes to the Lazaruses of the world. And the reality is, that's all of us. We're the Lazaruses of the world. Sin? How many of you had a choice in it? We can say we did, but it's in our DNA. We needed someone to rescue us. We needed someone to usher us to Abraham's side. We needed someone to do what we could never do ourselves. Lazarus couldn't pick himself up and neither can we. But by God's grace, in Jesus, he has. Will we let that be the message of our lives? Or will we do it our own way? We keep looking for the answers in all the wrong places. Will we come to a God who created the world, is fully capable of saving it, (laughs) and by the way, promises to renew it? Or do we keep putting ourselves in his place thinking we know better? And what we deserve, what we're entitled to, because somehow I've believed that I'm the center. (laughs) He's not. Will that be the case? The difference of heaven and hell, God's judgment and eternity, the difference between hope and warning is this. Do we believe in Jesus? Will we let our life be shaped by him? Folks, if you don't, it's as easy as this. Lord, believe. I believe you're my Lord, my Savior. And help me. Help me in that belief.
been doing it my own way. Help me do it yours. It's not complicated. Jesus really didn't make it all too complicated. <laughs> Come on. Come on board. Talk about grace. Talk about love. And to those who said no, so the invitation is open. He's not afraid to say, hey, and the rest, that's on you. If that's what you've chosen. Eternity is down to believing in him more than ourselves. And again, the beauty is this. Lazarus got to have a seat at Jesus' table. The one who had no place at the rich man's side, who couldn't even get crumbs, got to see himself, how God seated him as a child of God. He had a name. He had a place. He had value and worth and a life in a world that didn't value him. That's true for us. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our watershed community or how to support Harderwijk Ministries, please visit us at harderwijk.com.